Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Eric Seeds and Rachel Buells. What's up, guys? How's it going, Will? It's going a good post-Thanksgiving start to the week, I guess. What about you guys? Same. Slow, bad Monday vibes after four days off. Never easy to recover from, but... I would agree with that. Um, We did have some fun news in our household today. Today was Riley's first snowfall. Oh, wow. So she got got to, yeah, we got some snow today. She got to play in the snow and she really likes eating it. So I remember those days. That was, that's what she did today. I'm happy that it's snowing. It was like raining at first. And I was like, no, if it's cold, I would prefer it to be dry unless it's snow and then it turned to snow so we're good yeah when we had our dog in in columbus when we were living there and yeah she loved the snow going out and playing in it and everything so so we'll go ahead and get into this so last week it was reported that the blue jackets were affected by positive covid19 tests uh the report was kind of vague we don't know which players we don't even know when but just that players were testing positive uh today it was announced that they would actually be opening the facilities again uh, and that the cases those that were affected were just having mild symptoms quote unquote so um i i guess that's good news uh and i can only assume that because they're opening the facilities that you know protocols have been you know taken that players are are fine and they're good to basically resume activity, but yeah, what do you what do you guys make of that? Well, first of all, my my thoughts on these guys were only mildly symptomatic. We only found out about these positive tests last Friday, and oh, by the way, it's Monday morning, and we're opening the uh, facility. Seems uh oh, like a lot. Now, granted, we don't it we don't know when these guys tested positive. We don't know how many there were, the team will only say several, um, which means it's probably a good number of these guys. But hey, it, it turns out when you're trying to have sports and things in the middle of the worst bit of the pandemic, because we've all just given up on trying to get this thing under control, that 
things might not go well. You know, I'm going out really out on a limb there and saying things are going poorly across the country. And maybe we should just shut down sports for a little while because this is absolute nonsense. What's a little while, though? Like one year, two years? I don't uh, Maybe till we don't have several thousand people dying every two days. Like, you know, it's just the, the jackets aren't playing right now. Obviously, they don't have there's no plan there's no they, they, there's no plan for when they're going to come back and i'm sure we'll get into that we, we've got college football games getting canceled left and right and left and right we've got nfl games postponed or teams playing without quarterback uh, like anyone from their quarterback room like you know on top of all of this we had millions of people traveling through airports in last week like maybe maybe we should just take a pause and recognize that there are bigger things going on than trying to get hockey going like if this can't be done safely if it might affect guys health long term and there are signs that it is yarmo did say that every single player will not only be doing covid tests but they're also doing cardiac testing because even though this even though they're professional athletes this virus does have effects on people's heart can give them heart conditions several people across different sports have tested positive for myocarditis after this this is a serious thing that can affect guys livelihoods so maybe we should try getting this under control before we try rushing more sports back yeah eric i couldn't agree more with all of that it makes me nervous I think that we've gotten to a point where everyone's just so desensitized to, you know, unfortunately, thankfully, you know, a large majority of COVID cases are, are you know, the word that everyone uses is mild. Of course, with it being a novel virus, uh, we don't know long-term effects. And it's despite all the mild cases, uh, ICU rooms are full, uh, hospitals are, you know, overflowing understaffed. And, uh, you know, it, it really makes me nervous. Uh, Seeds, you mentioned there was a record number of people passing through TSA airport security yesterday. Um, so w- what's crazy, what's the most like mind boggling about this virus is like how we're not, we're never on top of it. And it's always moving faster than like we can keep up with. So all the stats and everything that we're seeing right now of this huge blow up is all from 10 to 14 days ago. You know what I mean? Like we haven't even hit the, what is going to be the bulk of what I believe is, you know, this is, I I am certainly not a public health official, but what, what my understanding is, is that everyone who got sick because they traveled and visited family on Thanksgiving probably hasn't even gotten sick yet. So like we have a whole other wave kind of crashing down and it, I mean, it really has been frustrating just the way that it's handling and how I feel like sports uh, leagues kind of just all have their blinders on and are like, okay, you know, I I don't think we should be in this state where we're resigned to like, yep, some people are going to get it because I think that's really dangerous because yeah, some people are going to get it and some people are going to be fine and some people are going to suffer for the rest of their lives if they survive it. So it's just not really anything that can be gambled with, but it feels like more and more and more organizations and institutions are gambling with, yep, like, let's see, let's see what happens. So I don't know. It just makes me nervous. Yeah. As you were saying at the top seeds, you know, we don't even know who the players were uh, or, you know, when they were testing positive. I mean, I, I would assume that the protocols were taken and, and, and followed and, you know, they legitimately are cleared to, you know, be coming back and opening the facilities again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't even know really, really know the timeline. I mean, 
at least as far as it being reported, it was recently, but uh, I can't imagine that the players tested positive just last week and that they're already back. But uh, yeah, I mean, we don't really know. I'm sure more will come out, you know, sooner than later. I mean, I mean, we hope not, but the, 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 the Ravens, the Ravens are currently going through this epidemic ravaging their team. And it was reported over the weekend that they had a strength coach who was symptomatic show up at their facility without a mask. And now half their team is sick and they they probably can't play what they're scheduled tomorrow night. Yeah. They're, they're looking to play Wednesday. They're playing Wednesday, on Wednesday. Yeah. At least for now. You know, they keep posting, you know, pushing this game back. I saw they had four more guys go on the COVID list today. Like one person screws up and it's it just makes me very nervous that say these guys were mildly symptomatic. They shut the facility and they they, but they only shut the facility down like over the weekend. Like there's a lot of this going on that makes me nervous, you know, trying to proceed as normally as possible when this is very clearly an abnormal situation. I saw an Onion headline today that I just pulled up, so I got it right. Uh, NBA figures they garnered enough praise to let all the players get COVID now. <laughs> and, like, li- literally all these t- leagues are like, well, we did the, you know, we, we success. I feel like the NHL could kind of be the same thing. Well, we did this bubble. We did the Stanley Cup bubble, and, you know, all these teams participated, and no one, no one got it, which was a miraculous feat when you look back at the things that happened this year, how air- literally airtight they kept that bubble. But now they're, you know, to add in the – the factor of teams traveling and not being in a bubble and uh, just with the literal explosion of cases, even compared to, you know, August and September when the Stanley cup playoffs were going on. But yeah, all these leagues are like, well, we did what we could do. Like time to just let everyone get it. And it's like, no, that's not, again, I think a lot of stock is being placed in the fact that, these are young, healthy athletes who, you know, in the professional realm, uh, not college, but professionally are, are paid to play and, and can and have opted out uh, if they have wanted to. Of course, with a lot of, I mean, something that like really stuck in my craw this year that I hated was Tuka Rask um, opting out of the bubble with the Bruins because his wife had a child and he has at least one other, if not two other young children at home on top of this newborn child. And I just was like, I guess not surprised. Like the bitter part of me was not surprised that the internet, you know, was so rude and, and, you know, non-compassionate about that. But like, I mean, that's where I would see this being an issue now is like, you know, take for example, relate this to Blue Jackets, Nick Felino, his daughter, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, uh, she had heart surgery last year, right? Last season, he missed correct. games. I just, I could totally understand why someone in his situation, if he wants to continue seeing his family while he plays for the Blue Jackets, would be like, wow, I, you know, I could seriously put the health of his daughter at risk, but then think about the backlash that I know he would get from the fan base. If he was like, yep, sorry, you know, I, I can't play. So it, it's just, we say like there's, there's these black and white alternatives like, okay, well, if you don't want to play, you don't have to. It's like, well, that's really not how it goes. I mean, that's going to affect your career. It's going to affect your standing within the team uh, and the league. So I really just, you know, I, it's just frustrating. I, I am really getting like, um, like cognitive dissonance and also just like very weary of everyone just like expected to be as productive as normal as expected to be expected to just kind of act like the world's going 
you know, as normal, which it's obviously not. And I think that this is just a symptom of that as the NHL. And I know that there haven't been any dates and like there's, you know, we don't have like a strong return to play, but people keep talking about it. So we're talking about it. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Well, that goes into our next topic, which is the return to play. And of course, there's a lot of logistics to still figure out with that. Just, you know, from the basics of, you know, when will the season start? Will it be January 1st? Will there be 48 games, 60 games, a number somewhere in between that possibly? Uh, There's the CBA aspect of things, all the financials. So, uh, you know, I, I had an article over the last few weeks kind of talking about the the latest to that point, referencing some of the articles in The Athletic and, you know, things like division realignment for the year and an all-Canada division and, you know, things like that, how the playoffs might work. Uh, so, you know, lots of different things. But, yeah, so what do you guys make? Uh, do you think there will be a, a season starting sooner than later? I Let's see if uh, another interesting facet that we haven't discussed yet is – the vaccine. So say, let's just set up a hypothetical. Sorry for the what ifs. I know, you know, there's not a million other things to talk about in hockey land right now. So I'm going to just go ahead with this. I believe that this week, the CDC is in the process of voting on who gets the vaccine first. So it just seems like to me after elderly people, people who are immunocompromised and people who work in the healthcare industry, it feels like that's kind of like a, you know, signed, sealed, delivered first priority. That makes perfect sense. And then you have the rest of us. I wouldn't be surprised if these sports leagues and industries that are dependent on revenue being immune to this virus. Yeah, right. Like having to to get through this barrier to kind of resume their industries. I, I don't know. I mean, is the, you know, are they all, is everyone going to be vaccinated like through the league? Like are, you know, because I, I guess I don't really understand how it works. And this is also me like reading headlines instead of reading full stories, which, oh God, is I don't care for when people do that. But, but based on my limited understanding is that different countries right now are claiming shares of like the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines. And so like everyone's, you know, kind of claim there's only X amount. The vaccine is like needs to be kept at like 70 degrees below Fahrenheit or below zero, whatever, freezing cold, like on ice, uh, it needs to be really cold. And it's given in two doses, two weeks apart. And so it's like a complicated, like, it's not just like, oh, poke, you're good to go. I think it'll be interesting to answer when the league can safely resume, I think. And then also, then also the vaccine, uh, Dr. Fauci has said that 55% of the general public needs to get this vaccine to develop like herd immunity. And part of me is like, oh, 55% is nothing. And then I'm like, oh my God, wait, we live in America 
where nobody wants to do what they're they're told. I just see the vaccine. I think everyone's looking at it as like this miracle, like one and done situation, but it's going to be, I think a really slow process to get it out to everybody to get enough people to actually do it. Uh, I, I, I don't have an, I don't imagine that it'll be an issue for athletes to do it. Uh, but as far as like getting crowds back in arenas and things like that, I think it's going to be a longer process. I guess one thing I'm wondering about the vaccine is, you know, whether it's going to work the way it's supposed to, or, you know, whether there be any kind of delays with that. Right. And also that, right. Yeah, there's, yeah, I know without being like too hypothetical about it. Yeah, I know it truly is. So that's why it's like hard to talk in any type of definitives for the future. Cause who, who knows? Yeah. Who, I, who knows if it's going to work or if it's going to be effective enough? You know, I think I think the issue with the vaccine is it's maybe not as effective among the general public as it's been in their, you know, trial, their testing. So anyways, that we'll see. Another fun aspect of return to play, you know, not resulting of not surrounding public health, but let's talk about dollars, guys. As far as return to play goes, Batman and Donald Fear haven't talked in a week. This was reported this morning on The Star, and this caught fire on the hockey uh, on hockey Twitter today that uh, these guys have talked a little bit. The last time they talked, it's reported in this article that the league asked the players to reopen the collective bargaining agreement, asking $300 million more in concessions from the players in order to play in some kind of season. There is no way the players are going to reopen the CBA and concede that amount of money without any... I mean, they've already deferred salary. They're, they've agreed, to, they've accepted a uh, larger escrow for the next couple of years. And now the owners are asking them to defer $300 million more because of uh, lack of hockey-related revenue. And there are creative ways that you know the league can come up with some revenue this year, especially in a year when there's not likely to be fans. Like the retro jerseys. We had, yeah, I was just gonna say we had a big conversation about these reverse retro jerseys a week or two ago, and uh, that's a blatant cash grab if I've ever seen one. I realize there are too many dollars at stake to say that this won't happen, but I think I think first of all, an 82 game season is impossible. Oh yeah, that's not gonna happen. No way. Do you have something? It's probably like, gonna be like a 42 game you know, 48, 60 games, something like that. Some, somewhere in there, like we had in that lockout shortened season in 12, 13. But that's going to take uh, a lot of negotiating to get there from a financial standpoint. You know, do players, are players' salaries prorated? Players aren't going to like that because they've already deferred much. It's just, there's all this talk from Gary Bettman that he wants to start on January 1st, blah, blah, blah. If they wanted to start on January 1st with a four-week training camp, guys, they'd have to be in training camp like soon. Saturday. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of baseball because, you know, they were going to start July 4th and then that got backed up to late July. And, you know, there were all the financials between the players and the owners that they had to figure out. So, yeah, it's going to have to be sooner than later if they're going to be playing, you know, next month or in January. Yeah, just one one more point from that article is that Players have agreed that they will be paid 72% of their salary this year. That's all they'll get paid. Reported that each team will lose around, it will cost each team around $150 million to operate without fans for this season. Factoring in payrolls, travel costs, employees, and league dues. And it's believed that some owners have told Batman they would be financially better off not playing. It's just, it's hard to get to a point where they, barring some sort of miracle, and like every, like this vaccine is widely available and everyone takes it and we can maybe get fans back in March. That's a miracle if that happens. I don't foresee it happening. But if that happens, maybe that way we get a league. But I feel like if these guys, I just, I given all the health concerns that we talked about, all the financial aspects that need to be worked out, how 
doesn't seem to be any consensus from the owners on how best to proceed. The players seem united in that they're not going to take any more financial hits right now, especially after they just agreed to this uh, new CBA. It's it's starting to feel real lockout here in the NHL. It's, it's starting to really feel like a lockout. I mean, like we said, it's all speculative, but yeah, they've got some things to work out, obviously. So on the ice, Emil Bemstrom's loan agreement with Finnish Elite League club HIFK came to an end on Monday, and Bemstrom will re- presumably report back to North America to join the Blue Jackets for the start of training camp, whenever that might be. Uh, but over there, he had 17 points in 16 games, so he really lit it up with eight goals and nine assists. So you know that bodes well for you know a very young prospect, 21 years old. Uh, you know, got his first crack at the NHL last season. Struggled a little bit, but you know, streaky here and there. But uh, hopefully, that game over there translates over here to the, the NHL and North America as he you know readjusts and gets gets ready to play in the NHL again. But what do you guys make of uh, Bemstrom coming back? He came over with a lot of hype as like a pure goal scorer. Um, didn't really live up to that while he was, you know, he came over. He was obviously very young. Took him a while to adjust to, I think, the speed and the way the NHL game is played. So hopefully this is a building block in, you know, he was able to show that he, towards, I feel like down the stretch, he kind of picked it up, but picked up his game a little bit. That could just be me misremembering because it feels like the hockey season ended 150 years ago at this point. But I feel like Bemstrom kind of played well down the stretch. This could be a building block into him taking a next step. He went overseas and played well. He basically had a point per game over there, which is everything you'd want to see from a kid who's still learning, still working to better himself. And he got to stay stay conditioned, play actual competitive minutes. Uh, as far as development goes, it's about all you can ask for, I think. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how he continues developing over the next couple of years of his ELC. But yeah, as, you know, Definitely. hopefully he can show off that scoring prowess next year for a team that very desperately needs the help. So I would, I fingers crossed. We'll see. I, um, yeah, Bemstrom has been a fun player to watch, and I feel like he has been kind of hot and cold seats for the reason you said. I mean, he's just a really young player in the you know most fast-paced league in the world but if he's doing well in I think Helsinki right hopefully can translate that over here I saw Jeff tweeted that the link of the Finnish oh my god gibberish of Emil he had translated it Emil Bemstrom's loan agreement has expired in Finland and then PD asked you know what's next will they make a new deal or will they bring him back to town? Assuming training camp will start in December. And Jeff said a lot of loan agreements around the league are expiring right now with anticipation of camp starting. So my assumption is he'll head to North America shortly. So think he'll be back in town. Yeah, he did miss some games last season due to a dislocated rib and broken cartilage suffered in a cross check against the Panthers last year. So, you know, a little bit of adversity, but, uh, you know, hopefully sign of good things to come for him. Uh, some, you know, it could be an exciting player for sure. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to check out jacketscannon.com and at CBJ Cannon on Twitter. Follow all things Blue Jackets as we, you know, produce more articles. And we'll see you next week for another edition of the Cannon Cast. I hope you all have a great week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to JacketsCannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at CBJCannon. 
Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.